Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to our Monday night Shi'ur on Sefer Mishle. We are continuing today and concluding the first parak of the book of Mishle. So it's a big milestone. It took us six classes to get there, but we are uh, we're moving along. And uh, the last Shi'ur we spoke about um, Shlomo HaMelech's uh, speech, so to speak, or his discourse to the fools of the world and um, those who mock wisdom and choose not to listen to the rebuke that are given by those who have attained wisdom, those people that have acquired Torah. He is in the middle of you know, addressing them in, uh, in, in the psukim that we are covering today. And uh, he's not happy. He's not happy. Uh, we are on Perik Aleph, Pasuk Kavdalid, for those that are, are following inside. So the last Pasuk that that we learned in Kavkimel, well, just to give a little pre- preface to what we're, we're going to learn today, he says, Tashuvu He tells these fools and these simple ones, he says, Return to my Tochacha, return to my proof. And I'll express my spirit to you, and I'll make my words to you. This, if you were to listen to what I had to say, if you paid close attention to the rebuke, then you could change your ways. You have an opportunity to do teshuvah, to find wisdom and get on the right path. However, you didn't. And he says in Pasuk Kavdalid, Ya'an karati vatema'enu. But because I called and you refused, Natati Yadi Ve'en Makshiv, I have stretched forth my hand and no one listened. And you rejected my advice and desired not my tochacha, my reproof. So Gam Ani Be'edchem Eshak. So I too will laugh at your misfortune. And I will mock you when your dread arrives. When your fear arrives as sudden darkness, and your misfortune comes like a storm when affliction and oppression come upon you. So this is what Shlomo Amelech says to these individuals. Uh, I stretched my hand to signal you to return to me. Uh, just like a person, when he wants a signal to his friend from a distance, he tells him, he shakes his hand, he nods his head, different types of hand motion and gestures to get someone to do something. But you refused to pay attention uh, to what I was trying to, let, to tell you. The Meiri presents two interpretations of this outstretched hand. That either that the Chochmah, the wisdom itself, stretched out its hand to accept the sinner, that he stretched out the right hand to bring to be Mekarev, the person, or the opposite, it stretched out the left hand, which represents Deen and judgment, to afflict the sinner in order for the person to repent. Karati. Karati means I have called. It applies to someone who's leaving. He's leaving. He's off the path. He's going the wrong way. So I call out to him. But he's still close enough to hear. Otherwise, I wouldn't call. 
once you're too far to listen, once you're at a distance where calling out won't have an effect, then the only way you could be signaled is through a hand gesture, right? Where you can see, but so you got to wave your hand, so to speak. So the Chochmah is saying, I called you when you were still close, but you refused to listen. And even when you distance yourself, even when you were too far away to listen to my call, I still had mercy on you. And I stretched out my hand to signal you to come back. But you pretended not to hear. And you rejected my advice. And you desired not my reproof. You, that advice was intended to make you great, says Rashi. There is nothing in the world that raises the stature of the Jewish people than their allegiance to the Torah and the mitzvot. Nothing. The Pasuk tells us in Parashat Vayet Hanan, next week's parasha, Ushmartem ba'asitem ki hi chokhmatchem ubinatchem la'ene amim. Moshe Rabbeinu commands the Jewish people, safeguard, perform the mitzvot, follow the Torah, because for it is your wisdom and your discernment in the eyes of the people. They shall hear all of these mitzvot. They're going to watch you do these mitzvot. And they're going to say, wow, what a nation. Surely a wise and discerning people, it is this great nation. Nothing is better for the Jewish people. Nothing will uh, raise their, their rep, the reputation of the Jewish people than the allegiance to the Torah and mitzvot. I remember once when I was studying in university, I was talking with a classmate of, of mine. He wasn't a Jewish uh, person, but we were talking during one of our breaks, or I think it was prior to class. And um, for some reason, I, this story always it resonates with me. And he was asking me about my religion. Clearly, I was a visible Jew. I was wearing a kippah, wearing tzitzit. So he was asking me a whole bunch of questions. I don't know what makes a Jew different than a non-Jew. I spoke about the concept of modesty. I spoke, I, I spoke to him about being humble. I, I, you know, how you know, we're supposed to you know, walk with our eyes down, as many of our, of our Sfarim holy books tell us. In terms of dress, we don't dress very provocatively, um, whether both men and women. And it turned out to be, and I gave him just some, some of the, the rules of tziyut and modesty that, uh, that uh, women follow and, 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 and men follow. And all of a sudden, he, he kind of looks over my shoulder and he points, and he says, like, like that person over there? And he, you know, he points to the end of the, of the hall. And uh, so I look back and I turn around and there, there, lo and behold, I see a girl that is uh, dressed modestly uh, and it happens to be someone that I recognize was a Jewish girl. It was a Jewish girl that, uh, you know, and there she was. She was wearing, you know, uh, you know, lo longer sleeves, uh, a skirt, dressed very modestly. He was able to figure it out on his own. You know, how, you know, a person, you know, not to say there are, there are, there are non-Jews that dress um, modest as well. And, and again, modesty isn't the only part of, of Judaism, but it is an aspect of our religion that we, that we treat very seriously. And here this person, just by a simple conversation that I had with him explaining the concept of tzniyut, and I didn't use the term tzniyut, but he was able to, to notice it. He goes, oh, maybe, maybe that person is Jewish. And lo and behold, she was. Now, it's a good chance, uh, again, there's non-Jews that, that dress modestly as well. But again, nothing can raise the, the Jewish people's stature in the eyes of the Goyim than that of uh, allegiance to the Torah and, and mitzvot. But, but you rejected my counsel. You didn't care about it. You didn't desire. A friend advises his friend which path to choose. 
which path to follow. And if that person disregards the good advice that his friend is giving him, and he chooses the wrong path, then a good friend, a good advisor, will rebuke him for not listening. And for that reason, the Pasuk tells us, you rejected every counsel that I gave you to choose the correct path. And therefore, I rebuked you for going on the wrong, for going on the wrong path. But even my rebuke, you didn't listen to. Even the rebuke, you didn't care, says the Vilna Gaon. And therefore, I will laugh. I will laugh at the misfortune. I will mock you when, the, when your dread arrives because you ignored my attempts to help you. I will not have pity on you. I will laugh when the calamity befalls upon you. Lehavdil, uh, you know, as parents, we like to always warn our children about, you know, staying away and, and being cautious of, of, of dangerous situations. You know, don't run in this area. It's slippery. Don't do this. You might get hurt. Don't do that. And you repeatedly, you give repeated warnings over and over and over again. This is just what parents do. But but the children, being children, many times they just don't listen. They will run and they will slip and they will fall. Now, we are not going to be these people who are going to laugh at the child. We're not laughing at our sons and daughters because they slipped and they hurt themselves. But, you know, the the, the general normal normal response or automatic response is like, I told you this was going to happen. I warned you that you can't walk over here when it's wet or run over here when it's wet because you are prone to slip and you didn't listen. So here we're talking about a people that choose to refuse listening to the rebuke. We're saying the, the calamity is going to befall you and I'm going to laugh because I've given you warning after warning after warning. When you fear, when your fear arrives like a sudden darkness, he compares it to Muhammad to the misfortune of a, like a storm when affliction and oppression come upon you. You know, the other day we had a big a big rainstorm here and a thunderstorm and it just everything started blowing around and everyone is scrambling, everyone's running. If you're outside, you're just trying to bring everybody in because you got a few moments and, and the, the anxiety level is very high and people are just rushing just to, to, to protect themselves, protect their items, protect their electronic devices, you know, bring everybody inside. That's that's a struggle. It's a struggle that, that is real. And he's saying, this is what's going to happen. Your fear is going to hit you. This calamity is going to smack you hard and you're not going to know where it came from, like a sudden storm that came upon you. And when you see that, when it, when it hits you, I'm going to be looking from afar. And I'm going to be and I'm going to watching and I'm going to have a smile. Going, Why don't you listen to what I had to say? You chose not to. Tsaravetsuka, we say in the Nishmat Kochai, Tsaravetsuka are both terms of uh, affliction and oppression. But the Vilna Gaon and the Malbim say there's a slight difference between the two. That tsara is an external trouble. People have tsarot, they have tsarot from the uh, oppressing nations. So when an, when an enemy comes and wages war, it's a tzara. When an enemy comes and infiltrates villages and takes children, that's also a tzara. A tzuka is an internal struggle. A tzuka is a distress of the, of the soul. And therefore the Malbim says, if the external trouble is accompanied by the internal struggle, by the internal distress and pain that a person has, then that situation is very bitter. Because then a person loses all hope and, and, and despairs completely. I was thinking maybe 
maybe the following that you know tzara and sukkah maybe referring to again along the lines of the external and the internal how people seek help and how pe- people seek uh, advice from those who are outside and they fe- they they seek assistance from the people that are inside um, the family the relatives the people they feel close to and they're, they're, they find themselves in deep trouble and and the the help isn't there the tzara is not there and the and the and the tzuka is not there and it becomes a tzara it, it becomes a tzara because the people outside aren't there to assist you and it becomes a, a tzuka because with the people you depend on the most your family is not there as well because you move so far off the path so kavchet shlomo melech says so what happens so what happens when this happens what happens when you reach this point that there is this storm brewing and 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 you chose not to listen to my rebuke and you're falling? Then, you will call to me, but I will not answer. They will search for me, but they will not find me. These people will call me and I will not answer. They will search for me, but they will not find me. In order to a, a person to attain wisdom, this is what wisdom is talking. In order for a person to attain Torah knowledge, a person has to do two things, says the Vilna Gaon. On one hand, he has to pray. He has to pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You gotta pray every day. I pray for da'at, chokhmah bina v'da'at, da'at bina v'askil. I gotta pray for wisdom. I gotta ask Hakadosh Baruch Hu to help me understand his Torah and the deep meanings of his Torah. And the second action that a person needs to do is he needs to seek it. He needs to want it. He needs to delve it, delve in it, and make sure that he attains it and acquires it. It's two. It's two, two streams of action. So therefore, the pasuk is uh, is addressing both factors. When you call me in tefillah, when you call me in prayer, I'm not going to answer. And when you search for me, when you search me through toil and Torah and labor, you're not going to find me. And this is measure for measure. This is midah keneged midah to the actions in Pasuk Kaf Dalid. Yan l'karati v'temaenu natati yadi ve'en makshib. When I called you and you refused... So therefore, you're going to call out to me in tefillah and I'm not going to listen. When I stretched forth my hand, when I tried and I, you know, I went all out, I toiled to make sure that you were right, that you were okay, to get you on the right path. And you didn't listen? Well, guess what? You're going to, you're going to seek me out. You're going to toil to seek me out, but you will not, you will not find me. It's almost like the uh the a person two people start at the same point and they both walk in the opposite directions they both walk for one day but at the end of one day they're two days apart this is how the vilna gaon says in yom if you forsake me for one day i will i will forsake you for two says akados baruch uh rav ibn nahmias from spain says that being that these people didn't study the Torah in their youth when they were, and youth here doesn't mean, you know, when they were teenagers. It means when they had the, the physical strength to study the Torah, because the Torah actually does take a toll on the body. Then they're not going to be able to study in their old age. 
And if you know if they haven't studied the Torah in this world, then it's going to be impossible to do it in the next world, as we know. A person can't do anything. The merit, the, all, all the merit that he can accumulate is accumulated now in Olam Azeh and not in Olam Abba. The Meiri takes it one step deeper. And he says that although Teshuvah always diminishes punishment, we know that. Teshuvah is great. We're, we're approaching the month of Elul. We know what Teshuvah is. And Teshuvah is always accepted. Even from a person who has been very rebellious and very evil in the eyes of God, but it doesn't completely, doesn't always completely erase the punishment in this world. So Hashem is so merciful that He even answers the cries of the individual who calls out to Him purely, even though He sinned and He sinned badly. We're going to read in uh, in the Parashat Tisha B'Av, um, you know, next uh, next Thursday. We're going to read Parashat Vayet Hanan where he says, "Batzal lechaum tzaucha kol adevarim ha'ele v'shavta Hashem Eloecha lo yarpecha v'lo yashkitecha." When you are in distress and things have befallen you, bad things have befallen you, v'shavta Hashem Eloecha, you're going to return to God. You're going to repent. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you, and he won't destroy you. But in this case, in this case, what we're talking about. God will not answer their outcry. He will not answer their, their screams because He knows that the Teshuvah is only temporary. It's not from the depths of their heart. It's not genuine. It's not true. They only repent when they're in danger. Okay, times are tough, so maybe I might as well uh, just do some Teshuvah, see if God's going to help me. But as soon as the crisis passes, ah, okay, fine. You know, I'll listen to Shiur, you know, now because I'm stuck at home. And therefore, it's COVID, and uh, I got nothing else to do. So I'm going to listen to a shiur. That's okay. But once life goes back to normal, you know, and uh, I can go back to my everyday things that was happening six months ago, I don't have time for a Torah class anymore. I have no time to increase my knowledge. I'm not looking to increase my knowledge. I'll remain what I was before. Okay, nowadays, fine. Now I'll go. I got no- Again, I got nothing better to do. It's temporary. It's not genuine. It's not from the heart. And therefore, they'll just return to reject his words. The Chavot HaLevavot in Shara Teshuvah, one of the most famous chapters on the concept of repentance. He, Rabbeinu Bachia ben Pakuda, who wrote the Chavot HaLevavot, he says, you can compare this to a servant who ran away from his master. And as he's running away, two things can happen. If the servant recalls the kindness the goodness that this master always showed him. And if of his own free will, the servant decides to go back to the master, then he deserves to be forgiven. And therefore, Hashem's reply to such an individual is, is positive. This guy, I'm going to bring him back. But a servant who doesn't realize his mistake and a servant who forces the, the master to send someone else out to get him for having to run away, that is different. And then when he finally begs for forgiveness, the master ignores the pleas. He says, I had to go and get you. Why couldn't you figure out yourself? Right? So when your misfortune comes upon you like a storm, they will call for me, but I will not answer because you weren't expecting, you were still running away. The storm came suddenly. The messenger came suddenly. 
I will not answer. So mo the most fortunate individual is the person who returns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu under his own initiative, under his own free will. And the less fortunate one is the one who doesn't repent until he's rebuked from God. But that's fine. That's not the worst level because many of us need that little rebuke as long as you listen to the rebuke. The rebuke can come in many, many forms. It can come in forms of affliction and punishment, but you, you, it's a wake-up call. It's like an alarm clock. Okay, I got to do better. But the even more unfortunate are the people that disregard the rebuke. The people who don't repent until they see punishment inflicted on other people and on their families. And then, then, then only then they'll, they'll wake up and they'll say, okay, maybe I'll change my ways. But again, it's only temporary. That person is furthest away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's acceptance and, for, and forgiveness. And, and in order to do full teshuvah, it's going to require deep, deep remorse, deep sorrow and regret, regret, no question. And he has to change many of his actions and his speech and his deeds and, and all different parts of his life. And only then will he be worthy of true teshuvah and, and have his, his evil deeds over, overlooked. Tachat, moving on to Pasuk Kafte, Tachat kisan'u da'at ve'irat Hashem lo baharu. Because the reason why I'm not going to answer you and the reason why you won't find me is because you hated knowledge or they hated knowledge. And they didn't choose fear of God. Choice applies when you have two options, a minimum of two options. That's when you have a choice. Uh, the major choice we have in life is brought down late in Sefer Devarim. Shalabenu tells the Jewish people, I have placed, in the name of God, I have placed before you today the life and the good and the death and the evil. And you shall choose life. In essence, you should choose the good. So not only do these people fail to actively find and seek fear of God, which we said was the whole premise to all of this attaining wisdom, was the beginning of our, of our uh, series. It's the most vital thing of all. But even if it was a choice, one of two choices available, they wouldn't choose, choose it. This is how far off. They wouldn't choose life. They'd rather choose death. They'd rather choose things that bring their demise. They bring evil. They didn't desire my counsel and they pushed away all my, my reproof. They will eat from the fruit of their way and be sated with their own schemes. Now, just as a person who plants a tree and he eats from its fruits, that's the ultimate goal why you plant a fruit tree so too the sinners will be compensated also from their fruits, the fruits of their evil deeds. Rashi comments that they will eat the fruit, which is the minor part of the reimbursement through the troubles that, that befall them. Whenever you put a principle, you put principle down as an investment, and then there's interest. Interest is like the fruits. The principle is the caring. So the, the major part, the principle... Um, Payback is saved for them in Gainam. It's saved for them in where you know after they pass away. But so so the Karen is is a, the, the punishment they're experiencing now is a little bit. 
And it's only the, the main punishment that comes later. You should know the same thing actually applies to the mitzvot. The Gemara Masechet Kiddushin tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has different uh, systems of compensation uh, for a person's actions. For some mitzvot, he pays both the principal and the fruits. So he pray, the, the main reward, which is the principal, and the additional reward. And for some sins, he pays only the principal and no fruits, right? In other words, the sinner is not punished uh, more than the extent of the wickedness, says Rashi there over there in the Gemara. So if that's the case, how are we supposed to make sense of this pasuk, which states that the sinners are going to be punished? We said, They'll be punished from the fruit of their way. So Gemara says, that applies to a special type of sin. That applies to a sin that produces that produces fruit. It produces byproducts of the sin. Rashi says, when a Kadosh Baruch Hu's name becomes desecrated, when it becomes a Chilul Hashem, when a respected person sins, and as a result, others, other people learn from what he did, use it as an example, emulate the negative action or the negative midah and trait that he did, now it's a byproduct. That's when the person will suffer as well from the, from, from the fruits of the sin. And he will, he will face that punishment. Ki meshuvat petaim tahargem. For the waywardness of the simpletons will kill them. The Ralbag says that the simple one always just follows his heart wherever it goes, good, good or bad. And that's that's wayward because you don't just follow. You need to you need to ask yourself where is the chokhmah located? Is the chokhmah located to the right or is the chokhmah located to the left? And therefore, you can't just act according to uh, to uh, your whim at any moment and, and just see where life is going to take you. That's be, that's that's being a, a fool. That's being a petty. And that, that midah will bring you to, a da- to your downfall. There can't be anything positive whatsoever for something like that. Because if given the choice to choose good or evil, then more often a person will choose the evil if he has no chokhmah. If he doesn't know well, because the instant pleasure... The instant gratification is more enticing to that of something that you you, you know you're probably not going to get later on. Uh, the Eben Ezra quotes a famous pasuk from Sefer Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu Navi asks a question, a famous question. Madua derech reshaim salecha shalu kol bagid. Why? Does the way of the wicked prosper? And why are all the betrayers tranquil? Good question. Why are the Rashaim so successful? And uh, this is a question that many, many people struggle with. Shlomo HaMelech also addresses this. And he explains, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't immediately punish the Rashaim. And because he doesn't do so, the Rashaim think that there's no retribution. So they're, they're just encouraged to uh, perpetrate more evil and more rishut and more neg- negativity. Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu is patient, he's Erech HaPayim Berav Chesed, and he doesn't immediately punish a sinner, even if the sinning is persistent and constant, they can continue sinning and they feel nothing is wrong. 
Shlomo HaMelech says in Sefer Kohelet, the heart of man is full of evil because he's convinced that everything happens by chance. Oh, this is fine. Look, I'm, I'm doing good. I, I'm going out and I'm, I'm eating uh, terefa foods, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy and therefore things are good and my, my life is successful. But there is a divine retribution. There is divine punishment. And ultimately, the sinners have to pay for that. Every person that does an Avera without Teshuvah, we're going to have to pay for that. Um, Rav Yosef Albo, in his Sefer HaIkarim, explains that there are two reasons why there may be benefit for the wicked. It's either for their own sake or for the sake of the Tzadikim, for the sake of the righteous. For their own sake, sometimes the wicked are treated well in order, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want them to repent. They actually reach such a low level, kind of like Paro, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to harden his heart. So therefore, they have sinned so much, God says, you've lost your chance to repent. So, you're, I'm, I'm just treating you well so that you, you think life is good and there's no reason for you to repent. And this is what, what the Chachamim mean when they say that God withholds Teshuvah from the wicked people. Or you could say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu prolongs um, their days and gives them good things in order to allow them to repent. There's two ways of looking at it. If my life is good, then maybe one day I'll wake up and I'll look around and say, you know what, I have a great life. Who gave me this? Must be God. So therefore, I'll do Teshuvah and I'll I'll seek spirituality and, and holiness. But a wicked man can also prosper for the sake of the tzaddikim, for the sake of the righteous, says Rabbi Yosef Albo. The reward of the righteous, the reward of the tzaddikim, is increased when they are enticed by the success of the wicked and they choose not to fall into the trap. If the wicked were punished immediately after they have sinned, if that was to be the case, they said La Shonara and then they stop and then they stop talking for three hours. They can't talk, it's not physically. Imagine that happened. Then righteous people um, would be suspected of, of fear of serving God only because they fear punishment. But that's not the case. The righteous people see the wicked. The righteous people know and recognize the wicked. And it could even be that the righteous people have acquaintances that are wicked people. People around you, your neighbors, that that people that are that are Ozve Torah mitzvot. They 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 have forsaken the Torah and mitzvot and they don't care. And they'll they'll get up and they'll shout negative things about Tamidech Chachamim and Torah, and you know them. And you know them. But you're not enticed. And you're not going to fall into it. You're not going to fall in their trap. This brings you zechuyot. This brings you merit. So God is keeping the wicked prosperous and He's bringing them success to, to, to accumulate more zechuyot, more merit for the righteous people who are watching them day in and day out being more and more successful and not falling into the trap. It's amazing chidush of of Rav Yosef Albo. You know, the, the, the fools, v'shalvat kesilim te'abedem, the contentment of the fools will destroy them. The Vilna Gaon says that these fools choose to sit quietly. They, they don't desire no labor in Torah and mitzvot, they, nor to uh, relinquish the pleasures and tranquilities of life. And therefore, these people perish both in this world and in the next world because they don't find satisfaction for their desires in this world and in their future 
they will um, inherit uh, inherit Gainam. He, he says you can compare this to um, two paths. Again, the first path is straight and clear at first, but at the end, it becomes filled with snakes and scorpions and, and beasts of uh, prey. And the second path begins with a steep mountain. A lot of rocks, very dangerous terrain, but ends in a very beautiful, lush, fertile plain. If the first path was to begin with snakes, scorpions, and lions, and bears, says the Vilna Gaon, is anybody going to be foolish to choose it? No one will choose it. Who's going to go and, do, and start on that path? You've got to be crazy. Such is the way of the fools, says the Vilna Gaon. They, they rejoice in the temporary success in this world, and they think that everything belongs to them. And they fail to realize that they will end up as dust under the feet Tachat afar the feet of the of the righteous people. Uh, the Chafetz Chaim interprets this pasuk that because a person was wayward, it was decreed that he should eventually be slain. The fact that he couldn't stay on the right path. So therefore, what does Hakadosh Baruch Hu decide? He decides he lets him live in this world serenely, so that he can be rewarded for all his merits. Get all your your, all your reward now for any little good thing that you did. But when it comes time in the future, God will repay his enemies with, um, with destruction, unfortunately. Those people that have chosen not to follow on that path. Shlomo Amelech finishes, concludes the Perek, but he who listens to me, the person who has listened to my rebuke, the person who listened when I called out to him, the person that listened when I was waving my hands back and forth, those people will dwell securely. Yiskon betach v'sha'anan mipachad ra'ah and will be undisturbed by fear of evil. Chokhmah ends that a person, by saying that a person who listens to me will be secure in the realization that no harm will befall him. Can you imagine living a life free of worry? Can you imagine living a life where you don't have to know or think about what's going to be tomorrow? The security of your job, the security of your family, the security of your of your livelihood, the security of your health. If that thing was just worryless and we would live a life free of anxiety and, and just live life happy, this is what will happen to the people who have attained Chokhmah. And even if you didn't attain it at the beginning, but you came back, you saw the sign, you heard the call, and you came back and you followed, those are the people that are going to be undisturbed by fear of evil. Sha'anan mi pachad ra'ah. You will be undisturbed by the fear. It says Rashi, you're not even going to be disturbed by the fear the, uh, uh, the, of the punishment of Gainam because... You, you did everything you were supposed to do. Uh, I'm good. I, I'm all right. I know what I did what it was what I was supposed to do. So therefore, there's nothing evil that I that I fear. And this is how Shlomo HaMelech concludes Perek Rishon of Sefer Mishle. Bezrat Hashem, invite you to join us next class for Perek Sheni, the second chapter, as he will continue his discourse on seeking and attaining Chochmah. Wishing you all a wonderful night. Good night, everyone.